raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Yeah, Donald Trump turning himself in today. Fulton County, Georgia, on charges of election meddling. It's his fourth indictment. He did replace his top lawyer, Hammer. I don't know what you make of this. The lawyer who has led Trump's defense in Georgia, his name's Drew Feindling, is being replaced by Stephen Sedow, which is a uh, attorney based in Atlanta. S- uh, website describes him as this, like like some sort of special counsel for white-collar and high-profile defense. So I don't know what we make of this, a last-minute change of the leadership of Donald Trump's defense. Well, there's been a lot of changes going on. So originally it went from, yes, there was going to be a mugshot. And then Donald Trump's team came out and said, well, let's pump the brakes a little bit. We don't anticipate a mugshot. We're working with the authorities in Georgia. Donald Trump's going to turn himself in, but there's probably not going to be a mugshot. Well, then today, the number one trending topic in America on social media is Trump mugshot. Because yesterday, maybe it was the day before, you got the mugshots of the other co-conspirators, if you will. Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis. Right. And a number of other folks had their mugshots taken. So if there is indeed a mugshot today, how do you think the old man's going to uh, look at that, Nigel? I think he's going to get his hands on that and put it on uh, every t-shirt and hat he can find on the Trump merch store and sell it and fundraise off of it. Does he have the surly look in it like Rudy Giuliani had? Oh, yeah. Or does he go full Jenna Ellis with a big cheeser? Yeah, Jenna, I... I, hmm. No, I don't think he's going to do a cheeser. I think he's going to look mean. I think he's going to look pissed. Kind of like every picture. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Unless he's crashing a wedding or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of his professional headshots are that stoic kind of mean-looking face that he has. And make no mistake, Trump Trump wants this. This Everything he's done up until this point, and, and I'm sure his ratings are going to go through the roof after this, as if they haven't already gone through the roof. After every indictment, they seem to keep climbing. There's nothing they can do to stop this guy. So... Sometime this evening, we don't know a specific time yet because technically he has until tomorrow to turn himself in, but we're hearing sometime this evening, Donald Trump will turn himself in to authorities in Atlanta, and then we play the waiting game. Will we get the, what could be, most shared photograph in the history of the world? Well, the first mugshot of a president of an American president in the history of the country. I believe it was almost a decade ago now where that selfie of those celebrities at the Academy Awards was the most retweeted picture, most shared photo. Oh, yeah, it was like Bradley Cooper and Ellen and Scarlett Johansson and some other right. randoms in that. Right. Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence was yeah, in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was the most shared photo This Donald Trump mugshot, if we get one today, tonight, is going to break that record, I believe. But, I mean, you're right. The other side of that is it's a a never-Trumpers. It's an anti-Trumper. It's a Trump-haters wet dream. 
Right. They've as much as Donald Trump can fundraise off of it, yeah. this is really all the left has wanted with all these indictments. Right. This is all they've wanted. The picture of Donald Trump so they can hold that up and all get in a big room and smack each other on the backside. That's all that they're wanting. Now, speaking of Donald Trump, last night, Nige, you were the person tasked with watching Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson, the big interview on social media. Yes, that was my beat. Your beat was the. Uh, the the debates the GOP primary and as soon you know I had my computer open and ready as soon as that thing dropped I hit play so I could tweet in real time and quite frankly I I was a little underwhelmed it was just okay Tucker's had more compelling interviews honestly on this format on X it was playing the hits with Donald Trump it was, he, he talked to, you know, it's just anything and everything you can think of. We've all heard him talk. I didn't learn anything new. There were moments that I laughed. Uh, he had some, I mean, we've got tons of clips, I know. Uh, we'll start with this one, though. Tucker started the interview by asking Trump, why aren't you at the GOP primary debates? And he gave the answer we've all heard a million times by now. Well, my polling's through the roof, and I don't really want to go there with a bunch of no-names. There's people on that stage that shouldn't even be there. And Tucker asked him, well, who shouldn't be there? When you, when you say there are people on stage who shouldn't be running for president, who do you mean? Well, I don't want to really use names, but it wouldn't matter too much. A guy like, uh, I call him Ada Hutchinson. It's Asa, but I call him Ada. Uh, Why do you I call him Ada? I, you know, I could tell you, but I don't want to get myself in a little trouble. But he's weak and pathetic, and he's uh, <laughs> never understood the guy. I never knew him. He was the governor of Arkansas. I did not a very popular guy. Uh, a guy like Chris Christie, a guy left with a... 8%, think of it, 8% approval rating in New Jersey. Now he's running for president. And he runs solely on the basis, oh, let's get Trump. Let's get, he's like a savage uh, uh, maniac. He's like a lunatic. And that's all he talks <laughs> about. His poll numbers are very, very low. He's about 2%. I'm dying to know the Ada uh, nickname. Ada Hutchinson. It's it's Asia, right? It's right. Asia, right? And, and and this is he goes. No, I can't. I can't tell you. I don't want. I can't. I'm going to get in trouble. He has no problem calling Stormy Daniels horse face on Twitter, but <laughs> he stops with Asia Nick Hutchinson's nickname. That's where he draws the line. <laughs> uh, by the way, I've got an update. We've got breaking news here. Nigel, you ready for this? Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, just a few minutes ago on Truth Social, says that arrest time will be 7.30 p.m. Ooh. 7.30 p.m. tonight. Ooh. So we'll play more audio of Tucker and Trump coming up in just a little bit. But if you watched the debates last night, it was interesting. A lot of energy early on. Yeah. Kind of hit a little bit of a lull and a decent finish. Uh, this is uh, DeSantis, Hutchinson, Haley, and Burgum. This election is not about January 6th of 2021. It's about January 20th of 2025, when the next president is going to take office. Over a year ago, I said that Donald Trump was morally disqualified from being president again as a result of what happened on January 6th. 
More people are understanding the importance of that, including conservative legal scholars who says he may be disqualified under the 14th Amendment from being president again as a result of the insurrection. Three quarters of Americans don't want a rematch between Trump and Biden. And we have to face the fact that Trump is the most disliked politician in America. We can't win a general election that way. China is the number one threat to our country. And every minute that these eight candidates spend talking about the past instead about the future is time. China loves it when we're talking about the past. Yeah, I agree with Bergam there and DeSantis. Shut up about January 6th. It's enough. Over it. Time to move on. And Hutchinson going out of his way to call it an insurrection and blaming Donald Trump for it. Did you hear those boos when he, he was saying that, along with Nikki Haley as well? Here now is our former midday guy, Mike Pence. Now look, I've made it clear. I, I had hoped that the issues surrounding the 2020 election and the controversies around January 6th had not come to this, had not come to criminal proceedings. I would rather they have been resolved by the American people. And President Trump is entitled to the presumption of innocence that every American is entitled to. And we will make sure and extend that to him. But the American people deserve to know that the president asked me in his request that I reject or return votes unilaterally, power that no vice president in American history had ever exercised or taken. Uh, He asked me to put him over the Constitution, and uh, I chose the Constitution, and I always will. I had no right to overturn the election. How'd you feel about Pence's performance last night? He was like, uh, like he was hot and cold, night and day. I don't know that I've ever seen him that fired up at certain points during the. Uh, like I said, I was watching the Tucker and Trump interview a lot. I didn't get to see the first hour. How do you think Pence did? I believe it was Will Ferrell's character, Buddy the Elf, who once said, and I quote. He's an angry elf. <laughs> he was a little angry last night. Yeah. You could clearly tell the consultants and the advisors oh, yeah. uh, met with Mike Pence and said, an all right, look here, Magic Mike, we love you. We think you're a tough guy, but the numbers show most people think you're a weenie. You, so You go to that podium and be an angry elf. You go be an angry elf. And he wasn't the only one. It seemed like a lot of people were angry at Ramaswamy last Everyone night. Everyone was. And he was kind of getting under the skin of a number of people, including Chris Christie. So first, let me just address a question that is on everybody's mind at home tonight. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name? And what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? Listen, now that everybody's gotten their memorized, pre-prepared slogans out of the way, we can actually have a real discussion now. The, the, the reality and the fact of the matter is... Was that one of yours? Uh, not, not really, Mike, actually. We're just going to have some fun tonight. I had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. The last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. What? Just like you did to Obama. The same type of amateur. And, and you'll help elect me just like you did to Obama, too. Give me that The same hug, type of amateur. Hey, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Yeah, there was something when Chris Christie, when he was governor of New Jersey, after uh, Hurricane Sandy gave Obama a hug. Big bro hug. And that, some people say that put him over the top. By the way, I don't think calling Ramaswamy a chat GPT. Who are you? So it sounds like chat. I, chat GPT is smart. 
Right. AI artificial intelligence that's smart. He's a great. Vivek is a very smart. He knows how to debate. He can come back at you the snap of a finger. And I think a lot of people like this guy. I really think it was his night last night. And based on the poll we did on the Hammer and Nigel Twitter, uh, Ramaswamy was the winner, followed by kind of a close, you know, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, and then really there was everybody else. So if you missed any of the debate last night, here's pretty much what you missed. When the time runs out, we all will hear this. Governor Christie, a public employee, Mr. Vice President. Well, I don't know if I get a response. Senator Scott. I'm a Southern boy. I talk slow. So, America. America. Another one. That was quick. Governor DeSantis. We need to end the weaponization of these federal agents. Right. But I will do that. That's not the question. I know. But here's the thing. We're going to move on. No, we're going to. Martha, can I answer the question? Can I speak on this issue? I was. You didn't. You answered on You did say something. Here we go. I think we need to establish some ground rules. When we hear this bell. Yes. That means your time's done. done. They could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. Uh, Bell was driving me nuts. You know who else was driving me nuts last night? Asia Hutchinson and Doug. With all due respect to these two bottom feeders, no one knows who you are outside of the diehard Politico. This was your opportunity to make a name for yourself. And they just went up there and they kept their mouths shut and... We need to limit this stage just a little bit. If this is going to be a legitimate race for number two, we've got to limit the playing field just a little bit. All right, Matt Baer, what's up? Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Okay, my name is Nigel. That's Hammer. You uh, you did not lead me astray last week with your uh, degenerate special betting on the Colts on uh, the win margin one to thirteen points. I won um, I, I won a decent amount last week betting on preseason football. Colts tonight playing their final preseason game in Philly. The Colts are favored by four and a half. Colts and the Eagles. John Fetterman, your thoughts? The Eagles <laughs> are so much better than the Eagles. <laughs> it sounds wow, like. Wow, it came out of nowhere. <laughs> Anthony Richardson is going to see a few reps tonight for the Colts. Now, we thought that could have been the case last week, but he's set completely out against the Bears. They didn't really say anything at all. The coaching staff didn't say anything at all last week. Have they alluded to the fact that at least maybe possibly he'll be on the field? Sounds like Richardson's starting tonight. Now, how long is he going to play? No idea. The Eagles, the Eagles, (laughs) they are sitting most of their starters tonight. No Jalen Hurts, no A.J. Brown. So I think you're going to see a lot of Marcus Mariota and former Notre Dame quarterback Ian Book for the Eagles tonight. Okay. So So who are you taking? I think just by virtue of betting preseason football, it's it's by default degenerate. Oh, the, right? my official degenerate special is coming tomorrow. Okay. Because college football comes back this weekend, yeah. and you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> so the okay. official degenerate special is coming tomorrow. But 
the unofficial play tonight. I am going to take the Eagles. The Eagles are so much better than the Eagles. Give me the four and a half. The Colts are four and a half point favorites because they're going to play some starters. Eagles are not. I want the points. Eagles at home, not that it matters because it's preseason, but anything above a field goal in a meaningless game, I'll take the points. Eagles plus four and a half, that's my play. Now, as a Colts fan, if this date on the calendar, August 24th, rings a bell, something really interesting happened four years ago tonight. But I am going to retire. Uh, This is not an easy decision. Uh, Honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. Andrew Luck hanging it up right before the regular season starts four years ago. That was brutal. I was at that game when word started to spread. It was the final preseason game. Uh, it was at Lucas Oil. I forget who they play. The Maybe Bears. The Bears, yeah. And uh, my our, our, my buddy Dylan showed me his phone. I go, like it was for, like an Adam Schefter account. I go, it's just like a fake account, Adam Schefter. He's not retiring. Come on. Like, no, it was the blue check mark Adam Schefter account. And people, and you could just tell people in our, we were sitting in the suite, and then you could see people kind of looking at each other down. Like, word was spreading fast once that news hit, almost instantaneously. And by the time Andrew Luck walked off the field, they were booing. Oh, yeah, there it is. Oh, that's awful. Andrew Luck walking off the field for the last time. Right. News broke during the game, and he was booed off the field for quitting so close to the start of the regular season. Now, again, Andrew Luck can do whatever the hell he wants to do, but he made an enemy that day. That enemy was O.J. Simpson. (laughs) Andrew Luck, what did I do to you? An hour and a half ago, before I picked you in my fantasy bits. I mean, what do I do, man? I've been a fan of yours. Why would you do this to me? Come out of retirement. I'm just saying. You don't want to make that guy an enemy. No, no, you do not want to get on the bad side of the juice. So, for all of those emotional cult fans who still have that. I don't know if it's anger inside of them about the way this whole thing played out four years ago. Here's a very emotional Sarah McLaughlin-style tribute Mm. on the anniversary of Andrew Luck quitting. But I am going to retire. This is not an easy decision. Uh, Honestly, it's the hardest decision of my life. I I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm going to go anymore. Will you remember? I'm pretty tired. <laughs> Think I'll go home now. <laughs> I quit. I quit. Great, <laughs> you guys. I'm going home. Happy anniversary, Colts fans. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yes, you're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Hammer, I'll let you do the honors. A surprise special guest in studio here. As one Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, once said, and I quote, guess who's back? The gun guy. <laughs> hey, look at that. Guy Relford is here for a special Thursday appearance. How are you, my friend? Man, it's great. It's great to be here with you guys. So the reason we wanted to get you back in studio, because normally you come in here on Monday yep. for Monday Gun Day, 
was we had a lot of questions about this IMPD officer shooting. Now, the story, as we've seen it, and the body cam footage has been released, uh, there was a traffic stop, and the officer gets, you know, ready to go up and talk to the guy that he pulled over. He was driving erratically. The guy gets out of his car, and he's kind of a little out there, yeah. starts kind of going to the officer. Starts mouthing. Starts mouthing. Yeah. The officer's, officer says, stop. Please give me your driver's license. Trying to be cool. Talk it out a little bit. Well, the guy goes back to his car, grabs a gun from either a glove box or some compartment in yeah. his car, and starts to make a run for it. Yep. The IMPD officer chases him, shoots him in the back yep. as he's fleeing, but the guy still had the gun in his hand. Yes. So there's a lot of people saying different things here. I want to get your thoughts. Well, it, it's really a, a, an interesting case in the sense that um, the Supreme Court has weighed in on this exact issue. The Supreme Court of the United States, in 1985, in a case called... Uh, Tennessee versus Garner, they addressed a Tennessee law called the fleeing felon rule that said, hey, if somebody's running away, and in that case, a statute said, um, and, and that person's suspected of a felony, or the officer reasonably believes he's committed a felony, which, which may or may not apply here, um, but you can use deadly force. And the Supreme Court came out and said, no, that's unconstitutional uh, under the Fourth Amendment, because that, that's a taking of an individual when it's not appropriate. And it's only appropriate for an officer to use deadly force to prevent someone from escaping if that person poses an immediate threat to the officer or another person. And the Supreme Court ruled that way in 1985. Since then, Indiana has codified that exact rule. And there's a there's a statute that talks about when officers can use force, including deadly force. And it's says roughly what the Supreme Court opinion in 1985 said. It said, well, yes, an officer can use reasonable force, including deadly force, to prevent the escape of a person or to arrest a person, but only if one, they've given a warning if feasible, it says if feasible, but then it says if the officer reasonably believes that they're preventing serious bodily injury to the officer or another person, or to prevent that person from committing a, what's called a forcible felony. That's a felony committed through the use or threat of force. So, so let, me, let me just stop you right yes. there real quick. If an officer sees that happening and yells, drop it, drop it, or stop, stop, right. is that considered a warning? Yes. Okay. I mean, you know, and I mean, you know, and even says if feasible and you're in the middle of a foot pursuit in fact you hear the officer in the video say foot pursuit and then he you know and he, he's yelling and it's only really a few seconds because he doesn't chase him very very far he chases him in from my view of the video about one yard length um, before he fires shots but it's all going to come down to yes the guy was fleeing but he was fleeing with a gun in his hand does fleeing with a gun in your hand mean in and of itself, that that officer has that reasonable belief they're preventing serious bodily injury to themselves or someone else, or the commission of a forcible felony. And and, and that's an interesting question, because, listen, the, the Indiana Supreme Court has said mere possession of a firearm doesn't even create a, a, a basis to investigate someone. Is someone fleeing a police officer with a gun in his hand, does that actually raise to the level, rise to the level of, um, of, of creating that reasonable belief the person's about to hurt someone 
uh, seriously, and that's the requirement. Um, and, and, and that's an open question for me because the guy's running away. However, you know, one of the first things I thought of when I saw that video, you guys, is remember the, the state police investigation of the DeJure Mercer shooting of the, yes. of the bad guy? And I don't like to mention the bad guy's names. But, but, they, they, but what happened in that case is the guy parked a car, bailed out of the car with a gun in his hand, ran around the corner of a building, and then turned around and fired shots yeah. back at police, including DeJure Mercer. And, and I could easily see this officer saying, hey, look, that experience of IMPD was fresh in my mind. That guy's running toward the corner of a building, which he's doing, as you can see in the video, toward the corner of a house. I was sure he was going to get around the corner of that house and turn around and start firing shots at Or me. what if he killed somebody else and what that if was he around somebody that corner? Else? That's like right. a kid or something, so they would be, th- right. be mad at the officer for not taking the shot. Yeah, so the gun in his hand is huge. And the fact that he chose to reach in and grab the gun before he ran, why? If you're just trying to get away. And by the way, it came out from the family's lawyer. This guy apparently was in a motorcycle accident and hurt himself badly a couple of years ago and really couldn't run. He's sort of hobbling away. This guy's not, you know, Carl Lewis running away from right. the officer. Um, but I could easily see an officer saying, hold on. He chose to reach in the car and grab a gun, and only then did he run away. He's not just trying to get away. He's trying to get away with a gun in his hand. Why? Why? Because he, he planned to shoot me all along. You know what? That's a pretty compelling argument. When he That video, he grabbed the gun and then started running. That's right. I, I, I said to Hammer yesterday, I'm surprised the cop didn't try to stop him forcibly then, when he actually grabbed the gun and was still in the car. Well, that's this right. This guy's going for the gun. That's right. You see it, and yeah. he gets up out of the car, and the cop's right there. I would have, if I would have been in that position, I would have laid him out right there. Yeah, well, you know, he grabs what looks to me like a cell phone and a gun. Yes. And I could easily see the officer not maybe readily being able to identify what it was that he grabbed, maybe hesitating for that reason. But you're right, Nige. I mean, he he reaches back in the, into the car to grab a gun and then clearly runs away with a gun in his hand. That's a huge, huge fact that's going to factor in. So, somebody sent us a message yesterday, and I thought it was an interesting question, and maybe you can clear this up. I think you've talked about this before, but let's say you're a law-abiding citizen, not somebody that's you know going to run from the cops or do something like that. Yeah. You're a law-abiding citizen. You've got your weapon with you, whether it's in a holster, in a glove box or something, and the police pull you over. At what point do you lose your rights to that weapon? Well... You don't, and there's a couple of Indiana cases right on point. And from 2010, Washington versus State, the, the possession, mere possession of a firearm by a driver in a vehicle, doesn't even create a reasonable suspicion of criminal activity such that it justifies the the, the search of the car or the person or the seizure of the firearm. That's merely the possession of a firearm in a vehicle by someone um, without any reason to believe that possession of a firearm is illegal. Separately, in 2017, in Pinner versus state, the Indiana Supreme Court said the mere possession of a firearm by, some, by someone out in public doesn't even allow police officers to detain that person and investigate them to determine whether or not the possession of that gun is legal. And that's because, guess what? Law-abiding citizens carry guns, too. And, 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 so, and so, really, the mere possession of a gun alone doesn't get police very far in terms of the ability to stop you, search you, detain you, or seize that firearm. Now, if there's something else, if you're acting all squarely such that officer suddenly has reason to believe you're a danger to the officer or has reason, it's called a reasonable, articulable suspicion. RAS is a legal term we use all the time. And that, that, that reasonable suspicion of either criminal activity or danger to the officer, now suddenly they have more okay, ability to search to or detain officer. you. So it's danger to the officer or criminal activity, that reasonable, articulable 
reasonable suspicion. That's what allows the officer to take additional steps. So let's just play what if, because this is, you know, what's fun about having you in studio sure. and go through these situations. Let's say you're somebody that believes all cops are bad. Yep. You're somebody that wants to defund the police. You hate the police. Uh, you get pulled over. You're a law-abiding citizen. You just hate the police. Uh, You've got your hand on your weapon, and the officer says, drop it! What happens then? Well, hand on the weapon, first of all, is really, really stupid during a traffic stop, right? Yeah. Right. Because, because having a gun in the car or having a gun in the holster, I've been stopped five times that I can count off the top of my head with a gun in the car or including in a holster on my hip, I get caught, stopped by police. That alone doesn't give you much. You got a, you got your hand on a gun in the car as an officer walks up. Now that changes everything. And then, and what I, as an officer believe now, suddenly would I have that reasonable suspicion that that person's a danger to me because they chose to have their hand on a gun during a traffic stop? I, I don't know. I tend to lean toward the police on that one. Guy Relford with us. I uh, got about a minute left here, Guy, and this is not a gun-related question, but a lot of people have seen the headlines that uh, Joe Stasniak, longtime radio host here yeah. in this building, Big Joe, um, he pled in his uh, case that was pending. A lot of rumors, a lot of allegations, a lot of people running his name through the mud. You were his attorney. Yes. Take me through the truth of what happened. Well, yesterday we resolved the case, and and listen, the facts of the matter are that that Joe got a call from a neighbor that there was an an unknown car on Joe's property late at night, parked off in the woods on the edge of Joe's property. Joe went to investigate, uh, didn't recognize the vehicle, saw two people in the vehicle, opened it up, and it turned out to be Joe's friend, uh, Joe's son, I should say, and a friend. Um, he immediately asked him, what the hell are you doing? Why are you pulled off in the woods? They both got belligerent with him. At one point, Joe grabbed one of these, the, the kid, the friend, by his hoodie just to turn him around and say, I want to talk to you. That was it. That was the entire uh, event. And, 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 and at the end of the day, what he, he pled guilty to yesterday was simply a Class B uh, misdemeanor of uh, battery, which is touching someone in a rude, angry, or insolent manner. That's in a from rude him, manner. That's, that's from him grabbing the sweatshirt. Grabbing the hoodie was the reason. He didn't hurt him. He didn't leave a mark on him. He didn't hurt his son. There's none of that. When you Oh, he dragged them both out of the car, and he punched them both in the face. And I, None of that is true. None of that happened. That's why the prosecutors dropped all the serious charges. There was a strangulation charge because the kid said, oh, when he grabbed my hoodie, the string of the hoodie choked me across my neck. And there was no evidence of that whatsoever. It was a kid exaggerating because he was upset under the circumstances. So yes, Joe touched him in a quote unquote rude, angry or insolent manner. That's a, that's a class B misdemeanor. He got a little bit of probation and as a standard term of probation, he's got to go through, um, you know, an anger management evaluation. It was reported, oh, he's got to do all this, you know, training and counseling on anger. No, he doesn't. Just There's like anybody. a lot of media members that were really hoping something bad would happen to yeah, Joe. It, it, he has to do what anybody who's put on probation for a little bit of time has to go through in Hendricks County or anywhere else. He goes through this evaluation. Everybody does who, who, who goes through this. Um, he, he was, they say, oh, he's got to have an alcohol you know, evaluation. Alcohol wasn't involved. Joe had no cocktails that night before any of this happened. But if you go on probation in Hendricks County, they make you go through this evaluation. He'll clear all that. It'll be a non-issue. It, 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 he, he, he got a slap on the wrist, yes, because he grabbed a kid by the hoodie, but that's 
that's all this was. And frankly, it's something that should have never been prosecuted. I'm disappointed. I think it's because Joe, Joe's a recognizable person. He's well known in the community. Um, I think only for that reason do the prosecutor's office even want to do anything other than just drop it. Because in my mind, there was no even real crime committed here. Thank you for clearing that up. And thank you for clearing up what happened with the IMPD situation. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. Great to see you guys uh, later in the week. Guy Relford, the gun guy. Check out the gun guy show weekends here at 93 WIBC. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. For those who haven't been outside and you're wondering what it's like, well, here it is. Still friggin' hot. <laughs> still friggin' hot. The world's an air fryer or Ida Tater Tot. Still friggin' hot. Still friggin' hot. Hotter than two furries tag teaming your school's mascot. Oh, my grandma yeah. used to say it's Ooh. hotter than Hades. Grandma says he'd know that's where he's spending eternity. Oh, no. Still friggin' hot. Still friggin' hot. Hotter than the plates at a Mexican restaurant. Still friggin' hot. True. Still friggin' hot. Hot like the AT&T girl jumping rope in a tube top. All right. There's a giant magnifying glass in God's hands, and he points it and giggles while he torches us ants. Still friggin' hot. Still friggin' hot. Still friggin' hot. Two furries tag-teaming your school's mascot. Was that necessary? It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock Looks like uh, Donald Trump's turning himself in in Fulton County there outside of Atlanta uh, for election meddling, questioning the election. Uh, indictment number four. It looks like he uh, rest time is at 730. I'm just looking at his true social here. I'm assuming you're going to try to coax me into reading this. I mean, he just released it like 60 minutes ago. I think so, the people would like to hear the president, and nobody does the president better than you, Nige. 231 million years and still counting. He's talking about his interview with Tucker Carlson. Correct. Tonight. The biggest video on social media ever. <laughs> More than double the Super Bowl. But please excuse me. Excuse me. I have to start getting ready to head down to Atlanta where murder and other violent crimes have reached levels never seen before <laughs> to get arrested by a radical left lowlife district attorney, Fanny, what you talking about, Willis, <laughs> for a perfect phone call and having the audacity to challenge a rigged and stolen election. The evidence is irrefutable. Arrest time, 730. Now, did he call her what you talking about, Willis? I added the what you talking about. Okay. Willis, uh, okay. Right, it's a nice touch. I like it when you add that in. Uh, I'm looking at the uh, Tucker Carlson Twitter feed right now. Over 230 million views. Now, I know people are going to say impressions against views, views against impression, Finkel and Einhorn. I get all that. But 230 million views. That's pretty damn impressive. You watched this last night, Nigel. Yes, I did. And I did not think it was as compelling as probably the primary debates were. 
Like, honestly, I think everybody was shocked by how electric those debates were. It last was better night. than I thought it would be. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I was. I've seen Tucker do some other interviews on this platform and that format that that have been more compelling. Uh, his interview with Vivek was was really really good. I, I just I, I've I've seen Donald Trump. You know everything Donald Trump. I didn't learn anything new. Donald Trump was playing the hits, uh, rigged election. What I would do. You know what I mean? Right. Is that like take me through some highlights here? Oh, I, oh yeah, we do have some clips here. Um, like so, for instance, at the beginning. Trump asked uh, Tucker asked Trump why he wasn't at the debates, and and t- we've heard that answer from Trump a million times so far. Ah, oh, the polling, I'm at sixty percent. There's really no need. There's people on that stage that shouldn't even be there, and Tucker asked him who shouldn't be there. Who, when you, when you say there are people on stage who shouldn't be running for president, who do you mean? Well, I don't want to really use names, but it wouldn't matter too much. A guy like, uh, I call him Ada Hutchinson. It's Asa, but I call him Ada. Uh, Why do you call him Ada? You know, I could tell you, but I don't want to get myself in a little trouble. But he's weak and pathetic, and he was, uh, I never understood the guy. I never knew him. He was the governor of Arkansas. I did not a very popular guy. Uh, a guy like Chris Christie, the guy left with a 8%, think of it, 8% approval rating in New Jersey. Now he's running for president. And he runs solely on the basis, oh, let's get Trump. Let's get, he's like a savage uh, uh, maniac. He's like a lunatic. <laughs> and that's all he talks about. His poll numbers are very, very low. He's about 2%. I'd really, I'd love to know what the Ada nickname is all about. Because I, 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 I just got an email from this guy named Thomas. Hey, Trump calls him Ada. Because ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act, I'm sure. Does somebody Asa, send does us a Asa, tweet that said the same thing? Different person. So maybe that's uh, it. Does but he have a I disability or something? Maybe he's talking about he's not very smart, not very bright, that type of. But thing. I'm glad. I, I'm glad that's where Donald Trump draws the line. He has no problem calling a porn star horseface on Twitter. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> he won't tell us why he calls Asa Hutchinson Ada. Because he's classy. <laughs> he's classy, Nige. I think one of the more bizarre things too about that this interview last night was two different times Tucker asked Donald Trump if he was worried that they, quote unquote, they were going to kill him. And he kind of explains it here. Two different times he asked Trump, it's like, you think you're going to get killed over this? Well, it makes it look even more ridiculous. I mean, the four indictments and maybe there'll be more. I don't know. These people are crazy. But they're counterproductive. So if you chart it out, it's an escalation is what I'm saying. So what's next after, you know, try to put you in prison for the rest of your life. That's not working. So, like, don't they have to kill you now? (laughs) I I think the people of our country uh, don't get enough credit for how smart they are. But you're out of politics. I got indicted four times. All trivia, nonsense, bullshit. It's all bullshit. <laughs> a couple BS lines right there. He's getting more comfortable dropping the oh, yeah. uh, the BS line. Oh sure. Out in public. Um, he in like most of these clips that I pulled, it just made me laugh. Like here's Donald Trump talking about Joe Biden and his mental fitness. I have never seen spirit like it is right now, and the reason is. Because crooked Joe Biden is so bad. He's the worst president in the history of our country. I don't think he's going to make it to the gate, but, you know, you never know. But Joe is really... But you don't think he's going to make it to November of 20. Well, I, I think he's worse uh, mentally than he is physically. And physically, he's not exactly... Uh, 
a triathlete <laughs> or <laughs> any kind of an athlete. You look at him, he can't walk to the helicopter. He, he walks. He can't lift his feet out of the grass. You know, it's only two inches at the White House, right? That's not a lot. But you watch him, and it looks like he's walking on toothpicks. <laughs> I've never heard that before. He's walking on toothpicks, Joe Biden. One of the other things, we kind of, I'm, I'm kind of playing these clips out of order. It doesn't really matter. But Trump started talking about Epstein, and if, if uh, I'm sorry, Tucker asked Trump if he thought Epstein either was killed, murdered in jail, or killed himself. Do you think it's possible that Epstein was killed? Oh, sure, it's possible. I, I mean, I don't really believe, I think he probably uh, committed suicide. He had a life with, you know, beautiful homes and beautiful everything, and he, uh, all of a sudden, he's incarcerated and a case could be made. Look, I'm not gonna get involved in it, but I can tell you, a case could be made either way. I think he was killed. I don't think he killed himself. No, no way. I mean, in that clip, I just you know shorted for time, but he talks about how the this, the guards fell asleep and all the cameras weren't working. I mean, it was a perfect storm yeah, of things that so had lined up there. Yeah. And Epstein seemed like the kind of guy that was ready to bring some other folks down. Like if he was going down, he was going to bring some other sure. folks with him. Yeah. And then magically, the guards went out. The cameras turned off. I can't believe that Epstein quote killed himself. So again, these are some clips from the uh, alternate programming from the GOP primary debates last night, the Tucker Carlson Donald Trump interview. And again, here here he is. Here's Tucker again asking Trump if he thinks he is going to be killed. So the reason I'm asking you is I'm looking at the trajectory since 2015 when you got into politics, yeah. you know, for real. And then one, uh, there, it started with protests against you, massive protests, right. organized protests by the left, and then it moved to impeachment twice, right. and now indictment. I mean, the next stage is is violence. Is, are you worried that they're going to try and kill you? Why wouldn't they try and kill you? Again, uh, they're savage animals. They are people that are sick, really sick. I understand what Tucker's saying. I mean, it's there's there's a trajectory there of, of uh, history of violent protests, uh, impeachments, indictments, and yet his poll numbers are uh, Trump's poll numbers are still skyrocketing. So if they can't stop him from taking the presidency, getting nominated, run against Biden. What's next? What's left? And I get that, but it seems like death was a big topic for Tucker last night. Did Epstein kill himself? Donald Trump talking about his death multiple times. Yeah. Does Tucker know something that we don't know? Does not. he have inside info that there may be a hit or something out on Donald Trump? Because it seemed Wait. very dark, even by his standards last night. One more. One more clip here. One more clip. I just This is real quick. It's pretty funny. Trump talking about the Democrats' war on energy, and he mentioned uh, elect electric vehicles. Listen. Who wants to not be able to use a gas stove or have to drive an electric car, which, you know, you have a four-hour drive, but the car only goes an hour and a half, so you have to charge it? The happiest moment for somebody in an electric car is the first 10 minutes. <laughs> in other words, you get it charged, and now for 10 minutes. The unhappiest part is the next hour, because you're petrified that you're not going to be finding another charger. <laughs> okay, okay. It's moment. It's the, the first 10 minutes. The first 10 minutes for somebody that owns an electric car. Ever and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is 
this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Hammer, how do we play? Is this anything? I am going to run some stories by you. You break down all of the information, and then you give us the verdict. Is the story anything or not? We start with this. An Oklahoma third grade teacher was arrested for allegedly drinking and being intoxicated on the first day of school. Oh, no. This is some of the body cam footage from when Kimberly Coates was confronted about it by an officer and Superintendent Doug. How much you had to drink? I drank last night. There's no way you drank last night. Well, I did drink last night. Did you drink at school? So he's asking you to tell us the truth. I didn't drink at school. You blew two times the legal limit. Oh. Do you drink often? Unfortunately, yes. Yes, okay. Yeah. I'm not trying to insult you. I'm just trying to understand no, no, why. No, I, I, I'm seeing a counselor. Okay, no more games, right? Yeah. What is in that? Uh, my juice. That there is wine. She's lied and lied, and uh, Mr. Ogle found a cup that had wine residue in it on her desk, so. Yeah, somehow I don't think the counseling's working. <laughs> Blowing twice the legal limit at school the next morning. And the other thing is, she goes, I drank last night, I drank last night, and the officer goes, no, you didn't. Well, yeah, she did. I'm sure she did. But what she was <laughs> trying to say was, I'm still drunk from last night. Maybe I'm just feeling it from last night. No. Right. You kept the party going this morning, lady. Right. Like, there's some jobs I think it's okay to have a beer or two. Like, it, you, this job right here, it's maybe okay towards the end of the show to crack a beer. or End of the show. That's funny. <laughs> or... Or the middle of the show. <laughs> Bless your heart. End of the show. Um, but yeah, being a teacher in charge of third graders is not one of those jobs. And obviously that poor woman, and I, yes, I said poor woman. I kind of feel bad for her. She has a severe issue and she's going to jail, probably just lost her job. And yeah, get some help, lady. Some serious help. Now, maybe, maybe it wasn't all her fault. Maybe the school has set up this culture of this type of thing being allowed and being okay. Here, actually, is the school principal. Randy. I am the liquor. <laughs> you got me. You got me. <laughs> I am the liquor. <laughs> Oh, was that Mr. Leahy? That was Mr. Leahy. From uh, Trailer Park Boys? God God rest his soul. Rest in peace. Mr. Leahy. Here is the school's guidance counselor. Drinking has its benefits. (laughs) It's time for the liquor to take effect. (laughs) (laughs) It's the late, great Chris Farley (laughs) in Almost Heroes. Oh, wow. I did not expect Mr. Leahy to make an appearance here on Is This Anything? I am the The liquor. Is this anything? If you haven't seen it, a TikToker went viral with her video of how she and her husband don't have regular sides of the bed that they sleep on. We do not have a regular side of the bed that we sleep on. Last night I slept on that side and then the night before for like two or three nights in a row I slept on this side. It's never discussed. We just randomly pick a side when we go to sleep and whenever this has come up in conversation people act like that is the craziest thing they've ever heard. I don't know. We just never picked a side of the bed so I'm bringing it to TikTok to see if it is actually as crazy as everybody says it is. Yes, that's crazy. I've never heard of that. Everybody 
everybody that I've known in the history of my life sleeps on the same side of the bed if you're a couple or you're married. Right. I'm sure you and Crystal have your own oh, side yeah. of the bed, right? Yeah, this lady needs to be locked up, not just <laughs> in an insane asylum. She needs to go to Guantanamo. <laughs> Where KSM is located? Uh, the mastermind is, of 9-11 and this lady in the same cell? In the this same lady cell scares me more than a lot of people that are locked up in maximum security prisons. I mean, what is, a lunatic. Is that a thing? At Hammer and Nigel, if you kind of randomly just sleep on whichever side of the bed your spouse isn't sleeping on. It's like if you switch it up, if you don't have a specific side of the bed at Hammer Nigel. Have you ever gone on vacation or a trip somewhere without your spouse and to be crazy, like if you're sleeping alone, you sleep on the side that you don't normally sleep on? Because I've done that before. Uh, like We've gone on some baseball travel trips and things where, you know, Crystal stayed at home and we're staying in a hotel and Chris has got his room. I've got my room and I got the whole bed to myself. I'm going to get crazy tonight and be on the right <laughs> side. No, if I got the whole bed to myself, I'm in the middle. Okay. I'm in the middle. So maybe just a tad. But other than that, it's left side at all times. Is this anything? Chattanooga, Chattanooga news anchor was reading a promo when she realized she was, quote, reporting on what was about to be her own marriage proposal. Oh, boy. It was from her boyfriend, Riley, who also works at the TV station. Take a listen. And coming up right now, we have the story of two young journalists who just so happen to find love in the same industry. Local 3's Riley Nagel joins us in the studio with a special report. That is right, Cornelia. I do have a very special report uh, for people at home who maybe don't know. Cornelia and I met in news back in Montana at our news station almost four years ago. And I thought it'd be fitting to ask you this question here since we met in news. I'm gonna cry. Would you marry me? Yeah. I gotta put it on? Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of shaking. Me too. I'll, I'll defer to you. I know you have strong opinions on this kind of thing, these public uh, displays of love and passion and. Uh, you know, over-the-top pro- wedding proposals, Hammer. Is this anything? No, and she is going to cheat on him. <laughs> she is going to cheat what? on him left and right because he's so insecure. He's a beta male who's very insecure. He can't just propose to his girlfriend and make it a special moment for the two. He has to win over the approval of a bunch of strangers he doesn't know because he doesn't have confidence. And if there's a dude wow. that doesn't have confidence, you're going to find a woman running around bouncing on crank. She is going to cheat on him. I hate public proposals with a passion of a million fires. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the DriveHubler.com hotline. One of our favorite guests is the professor of political science at the University of Indianapolis, Dr. Laura Wilson. The good doctor always breaks things down for us without bias. And doctor, that's why we love having you on this program. How are you? 
Well, I'm doing great. I love that introduction. Thank you so much. No problem. So, let's get into it. There's a lot of stuff going on here. Last night, you had options. You had Tucker and Trump, and then you had the GOP debate. What did you have your eye on last night? Well, so part of it was the candidates that showed up to the debate um, without Trump on the stage, right? They had the opportunity to diversify themselves. So I was very interested to see how they set themselves apart, uh, how the audience responded, quite frankly. Um, and, and then also having a separate event with Donald Trump, right? Looking at in terms of the numbers of people who are paying attention, who turned in, who tuned into what. I, I feel like there was a lot of meat for Republicans last night, and especially because it is a very crowded race, but there is only one person at the top, and handedly at the top, and that is still former President Donald Trump. I, I, seeing how the candidates were able to separate themselves in a certain way, but for many of them, maybe not Chris Christie, but for many of them, being very careful not to separate themselves too much from the obvious leader thus far in the race, I, I, that was by far the biggest thing I was looking at. So you were looking at that anything that really kind of took you back by surprise like whoa i wasn't expecting that like for me it was like it was kind of electric there that that first hour um i I didn't think it was going to be and and and, you know on the flip side of that coin i i covered the trump tucker interview and i wasn't really that overwhelmed at all with that what surprised you about either one of those two things well, well, both. Let's start with the interview. It felt like a greatest hits reel uh, yeah. to me, and and I will say I tuned into the debate and then watched the interview later. So that just tells you priorities there, I guess. But uh, mostly because I wasn't sure what to expect in the debate. Um, and and what I think was interesting in the debate, first of all, uh, the Richmond North of Richmond song, the Oliver Anthony to open with that was really interesting. And there was a first hour, probably hour fifteen. I felt like flew by uh, because I thought the moderators did a pretty good job. They'd open up with a, you know, the candidates got their introductory remarks, but then they came after them and said, yes, but, you know, for Chris Christie in your state of New Jersey, right? And and they would go after the individual candidates. Um, of course, the candidates went after themselves, too. And having that many people on stage, I think you get a clear sense of winners and losers. I always like to look for what is the line of the night. And I thought for Vivek Swami, he really separated himself from other people. Uh, is some voters will not like that, but I think especially for a libertarian voter, he was probably the most attractive candidate there. And he was really curious because he said that he felt Donald Trump was the best president of the 21st century. And you know what Vivek Ramaswamy is doing? He's running against the man he said is was the best president yeah. that we've had thus far. I, I thought that in and of itself was, uh, was a pretty interesting moment. I think that might have been, I thought, the highlight line, certainly the one, one of the biggest takeaways there. What do you think it is about Vivek that polarizes like everybody on that stage was seemed like they were annoyed or attacking Vivek including Mike Pence I think he was one of the first guys to go after Vivek like just out of nowhere what does that say about Ramaswamy the fact that everybody on that stage went after him Oh, yeah. Well, he separates himself, I think, naturally in a certain way, um, because he's this upstart entrepreneur, like very clearly not part of the political scene. And that is definitely going to appeal to some people. But when every other person up there is a longstanding Republican and many of them in their introductory remarks basically read off their resume of all the things they've done, his position is different. I I thought he really stood out, especially on foreign affairs when we're talking about um, continuing money to Ukraine. 
DeSantis. DeSantis says he wasn't sure if he would do it, depending on, on Europe. But Ron Swamy is absolutely no. Like, he, he would not do that, whereas most of the other candidates said they'd be more inclined to do so. So I felt like his opinions were actually probably the most different. And sometimes that's hard in a primary because, quite frankly, they are all Republican, right? There, there are certain things that we expect are going to be commonalities. And you don't win a debate if you're on stage saying, yeah, I agree with everybody else. Right? He was able to very clearly separate himself. When you have all the other candidates attacking you, on a certain level, that is a victory for the candidate being attacked, quite frankly. In this case, last night, I think Ron Swamy. And we had a Twitter poll up. Uh, who do you think won the debate tonight? Ramaswamy overwhelming with that. I've seen the same results on other online social media polls. Uh, second and third, you could rotate Nikki Haley to Ron DeSantis, but those pretty much are the three that I think most people say had good nights last night. Let's talk about the folks that did not have a good night last night. I think this was a rough night for Tim Scott because normally he's a dynamic speaker. He can deliver his message very clearly. I forgot he was there last night, doctor. Well, and and that is the challenge. I, I I think he there were probably a couple of candidates that just didn't quite get the same airtime. I think it's hard to be dynamic when you're competing on every facet, right? You've got folks to your left and to your right. You're trying to separate yourself, um, and you're and you're also very careful in terms of the message you're giving. I agree. I it may have just been an off night for him. It could have been the circumstances. I I didn't think he quite shined um, the same way he could. And, and on the flip side, you mentioned. Nick Nikki Haley, I was very impressed with her. Now, she had some different opinions that I, I'm not sure will resonate with all the voters in the primary election, uh, but in terms of uh, shining on stage, being charismatic, articulate, I, I thought she nailed it, and it probably helps in a certain way that everybody else is wearing their red tie with their navy suit. It is the uniform du jour, uh, but she stood out uh, not just in terms of her presence on stage, but I think a lot of the quality and some of the things that she said as well. Dr. Laura Wilson, uh, University of Indianapolis, uh, professor of political science here on the Hammer and Nigel show. You're somebody that um, teaches kids about debates. You teach your students how to debate, how to prepare for a debate, how to, you've, you've moderated debates. Um, let's talk about the moderators for a second, Martha McCallum and Brett Baer. How do you think the moderators did? Generally, I thought they did a good job. I loved, I noticed this before, but I think we should do this more often just in the world of debates, that they followed up the opening remarks with a question. And they came prepared. They had their research. They were fact-checking, I think, as best as you reasonably can. And it's really hard to do in live time, especially when you've got eight candidates up there all attacking themselves but also trying to appeal to the audience. Uh, there was the one point where they shushed the audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Having done this, I was like, oh my gosh, we can do that? <laughs> had the power. Um, on, on one hand, it feels patronizing. On the other hand, I get it. Yeah, you, you do want to be able to focus. But I, quite frankly, as someone watching from home, I love hearing what the audience responds to. Both the boos yeah. and jeers, but also the cheers. Because that's your proxy in terms of, like, how is this resonating with other people? Not just my thoughts are like, wow, I thought they really landed that line, or ooh, that's a really controversial perspective. Right? Your audience, your live audience is going to tell you just in real time a quick snapshot of that. Um, you know, you can't have them unruly. But I think overall, I felt like they did a good job. It's probably nice to have two moderators there, and we haven't always had that. I could see that model being really effective going forward, too. The one thing I did kind of 
roll my eyes at is we got an aliens question last night. Now, I'm not going <laughs> to sit here and say that aliens isn't a fun topic, but of all the things that uh, these folks have gone back and forth on all night long, running out of time, I don't know if we needed to squeeze in aliens. That went to Chris Christie, and he felt equally as offended, I think, and aghast that that was up on the list. I don't know if that is something that really resonates with voters. I They covered, look, they covered Russia. They covered foreign affairs. They covered the economy. They covered abortion. I think they probably could have spent a little bit more time in terms of border control policies and, and other things that I would imagine voters want to hear more of. Um, I, I might be slightly out of touch there. It was not on my bingo card of topics I expected they would go <laughs> yeah. through. I will say at least I'm glad they waited till the end, because if that was part of the opener, I'm not sure I would have stuck around much longer. Yeah, you mentioned the border, and that question didn't get addressed until about an hour in, way after climate change, and I think it was a candidate that actually brought it up initially. Um, talk about the format, the debate format in general. Do you like this style of format, where it's it's one guy talking for a minute, and then, oh, you said this other guy's name, so they're going to give him another 30 seconds. Oh, he said this guy's name. What about the format is is good and bad in your eyes? Well, the, the positives, when a name is mentioned, right, they automatically get an opportunity for a rebuttal. And a, a candidate loves that because otherwise you're being trashed and sure. you're sitting there, you have to take it. But that clearly is, has a disadvantage, which makes it entirely chaotic. And there were several times the moderators had to jump in. I felt like all the candidates were fairly respectful, but they'd say, no, no, you already had a chance to address this question. And I will say that can be challenging as a moderator because in the ideal world, you let everyone have an infinite amount of time to completely go through the topic and, and then nobody tunes in because nobody wants to hear that that kind of debate so i think it's balancing the chaos and also quite frankly the equality of making sure everybody has the opportunity to have their voice heard and they don't they don't have to use it they don't have to take it they can be a little bit more aggressive or less aggressive that's that's tricky and of course i can't emphasize enough Anytime you have, quite frankly, I think more than three or four folks on stage, it is just going to be somewhat of a bloodbath because you are elbowing your way for time. Even in a two-hour with commercial debate, you you got to fight for time because that is, you know, you're coming down to single-digit minutes just because there are so many people on stage, and that in of itself is going to be chaotic too. I think we were literally a few seconds away from Brett Bear standing up, taking his belt off like everybody's dad, and yelling <laughs> at all the candidates on the stage at one point. Uh, <laughs> Dr. Laura Wilson, professor of political science. Doctor, we appreciate your time. And again, if you see the hammer boy walking through the halls of UND, uh, you've got the green light to just smack him upside the oh, head. Yeah. Go full Frank the Tank in old school. Make him go get you a fresh lemonade. Like, do whatever you have to do. I'm excited to be on campus this year. <laughs> Doctor, thank you. Thank you. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. So if you're looking for a reason to crack open an ice-cold beer tonight, Nige, if you're looking for a reason to drink tonight... I'm always looking. Raise one up for Reggie Miller, 58 years old oh, today. Oh, wow. Happy birthday, Hollywood. The, <laughs> the nickname that never caught on. Yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood. never really stuck, did it? Here is uh, Reggie after the Pacers finally beat the Knicks to move on to the NBA Finals. This is special. I mean, you know, we've always fought and we always get to the Conference Finals and lose twice against New York and Chicago and Orlando. And to finally have a, another opportunity to get here and 
You know, I told the guys before the game, if the league called you up and asked you, you, you only had to play one game, and you could pick the spot where you want to play, and if you win that game, you get to move on to the finals, would you take it, and where would you want to play? And everyone in unison said, the Knicks in the garden, and let's go for it. And that's when the Pacers oh, went yeah. to the NBA Finals Lakers. to play the Lakers. Yeah. Uh, this is Mark Boyle, the longtime voice of the Indiana Pacers, on the call of the Eastern Conference Finals, where Reggie pushes off a of Jordan, gets <laughs> open, and hits that big three. Here's Reggie, 20 feet away. Do you believe it? it Do you believe it? it Do you believe it? A man working on one leg hits two threes and a two, and the crowd is on its feet. Reggie Miller with another playoff moment. And straight goosebumps when I hear that. Was that the same play where he used Rick Smith's the tree trunk? <laughs> uh, the, you know, this redwood tree Rick Smith's to kind of whip around? Right. Was that the one, that the same play? Like he Right, and Jordan it, it, recovers. It, yeah, yeah. And he kind of just pushes Jordan to hell. And after the game, <laughs> you know, Reggie was talking about it. He's like, they're not going to call that on me in Indiana. <laughs> he hits the three. And then when he retired, after spending his entire career, you know, this Los Angeles kid here in Indiana, this was his message to the crowd. As much as you think that I've given to you guys for 18 years, I've truly been blessed to be a Pacer and a Hoosier. Thank you very much. Oh, wow. Happy birthday, Reg. Um, also, real quick, moment of personal privilege, celebrating a birthday, our old intern, Christopher Hammer, <laughs> who fills in sometimes when you're gone. Uh, yeah. Happy birthday, Chris Hammer. He is uh, our favorite college bowler, uh, the official college bowler of the Hammer and Nigel show at the University of Indianapolis. Hammer. Raise a spoon to grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. And Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock So, Hammer, is there going to be a mugshot or not with Donald Trump? He's supposed to be turning himself in to uh, Fulton County outside of Atlanta tonight at 730. I've heard yes and no to the mugshot. The, you know... Precedence says that there will be no mugshot, there will be no perp walk, but the sheriff of Fulton County is getting pretty mouthy. Right. And you know what? I remember as a kid seeing the wrestling character, the big boss man, and his gimmick was <laughs> he was this big, strong, redneck police guy from Georgia. And I thought, that's not really how law officials are in Georgia. But then you see this mouthy guy come up and start ripping Trump. And even though they may be a different color, maybe the big boss man was on to something. Uh, I just typed in big boss man in Google. I forgot about him. Yeah. He was Cobb County, Georgia, (laughs) if memory serves me correctly. Oh, wow. That's so funny. Um, I think Trump wants that mugshot. I think he's going to use that mugshot to his advantage if it happens. We've heard various reports saying that there might not be a mugshot. There, there wasn't a mugshot in other, you know, the Alvin Bragg, the other state uh, indictment there in New York about the hush money payments and the campaign finance. There were no 
uh, mug shots taken for the January 6th indictment. But we saw the other co-conspirators in this specific Georgia yeah. case have their mug shots released. Giuliani being one of them. Jenna yeah. Ellis smiling for the camera with that big cheeser. So if there is a mug shot released tonight... Who do you think benefits more from this? Donald Trump, because he's going to use this to campaign on, or the political left, the anti-Trump, the never-Trumper, the Adam Renz of the world, they're going to take their pants off, run around in a circle, and smack each other, because this is what they've been waiting for for a long time. The Adam Renz of the world. Um, I think Trump will benefit more for that. He, he's going to... He'll fundraise off of that. He'll put that on T-shirts. He'll put that mugshot. But the Democrats are going to fundraise off of this, too. Right? I think, Uh, is it weird to say everybody wins with a Donald Trump mugshot tonight? I think the left is going to celebrate way more than Trump's side is going to use it for fundraising. I mean, this is really all they want. They don't care if he goes to jail or not. They wanted the picture. They wanted a real, non-Photoshop, non-AI mugshot of Donald Trump that they can use on propaganda. This is all they want. And we're going to find out tonight, 7.30, uh, Donald Trump scheduled to turn himself in. You watched his full yeah. interview with Tucker Carlson last night, Nige. It was about, what, 45 minutes? It was like 46 minutes, and I was a little underwhelmed. I, it's, I didn't learn anything new. I wish Tucker would have challenged him a little bit. I, there was really no challenging of Donald Trump on anything, especially Fauci. Why did you decide to keep Fauci around? 236 um, million views as of right now. Yeah, and I, is that number misleading a little bit? Views versus impressions versus yeah. people who watch the whole thing? Yeah, digital people will tell understand. you there's a difference between impressions and views. Still, a lot of people saw that. 236 million at least clicked on the page or scrolled through and saw it. And, and really, this is, you know, let's play a couple clips here. This is Donald Trump uh, talking about how basically, and I think Tucker asks him if he's worried that he's going to be killed uh, in this clip. And because. Where else is there for them to go? They've tried to stop him with Russia, Russia, Russia. They've tried to stop him with impeachments. They've tried to stop him with indictments. And Trump's poll numbers keep skyrocketing. Here's a little bit from last night. Well, it makes it look even more ridiculous. I mean, the four indictments and maybe there'll be more. I don't know. These people are crazy. But they're counterproductive. So if you chart it out, it's an escalation is what I'm saying. So what's next after, you know, trying to put you in prison for the rest of your life? That's not working. So like... Don't they have to kill you now? <laughs> I, th- I think the people of our country uh, don't get enough credit for how smart they are. But you're out of politics. I got indicted four times. All trivia, nonsense, bullshit. It's all bullshit. A couple times in that conversation, Tucker brought there up was death. More, there was more than once that he said, are, are you worried that you're going to be killed here? He talked about Jeffrey Epstein, yeah. whether or not he killed himself or not. Uh, they talked about Joe Biden's health, whether or not Joe Biden was going to make it to the finish line. A lot of death from Tucker last well, night. Here's Speaking of Biden, here's Donald Trump last night with Tucker on Joe Biden. I have never seen spirit like it is right now. And the reason is... Because crooked Joe Biden is so bad. He's the worst president in the history of our country. I don't think he's going to make it to the gate, but, you know, you never know. 
but Joe is really... But you don't think he's going to make it to November of 20? Well, I, I think he's worse uh, mentally than he is physically, and physically he's not exactly uh, a triathlete <laughs> or any kind of an athlete. You look at him, he can't walk to the helicopter. He, he walks, he can't lift his feet out of the grass. You know, it's only two inches at the White House, right? That's not a lot. But you watch him, and it looks like he's walking on toothpicks. Yeah, he kind of, he's a shuffler. Right. He's a faller, too. Yeah. He falls <laughs> down a lot. So while you were watching uh, Trump and Tucker last night, my assignment for this program was to watch the debate. And for me, the interesting part of that whole thing was when, I think it was Brett Baer asked, who wants to give more money to continue the war in Ukraine? You know, all raise those. Your in, hand. Yeah. Raise your hand if you want to stop giving money. Ramaswamy was the only one that raised up his hand. Ramaswamy, you would not support an increase of funding to Ukraine? I would not. And I think that this is disastrous that we are protecting against an invasion across somebody else's border when we should use those same military resources to prevent across the invasion of our own southern border here in the United States of America. We are driving Russia further into China's hands. The Russia-China alliance is the single greatest threat we face. And I find it offensive that we have professional politicians on the stage that will make a pilgrimage to Kiev, to their Pope, Zelensky, without doing the same thing for people in Maui or the south side of Chicago okay. right, or Kensington. Okay. I think on. that we have to put I'm the in. interests of Americans I'm first, he was secure to our own border instead of somebody else's. He was referring and the reality is, this is Shut also up, how we project strength. And the person that that bothered the most was the war machine that was sitting just a couple slots away, Nikki Haley. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a pro American country. First of all, first of all, first of all, Mr. Ramaswamy, you have 30 yeah. seconds. Mr. DeSantis, you know, Nikki, DeSantis, I wish you well in your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon. Boeing came off of it, but you've been pushing this lie. You've been pushing this lie all week, Nikki. You want to go and defund Israel? You want to Okay, let me address that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to address each of those right now. This is the false lies of a professional politician. There you have it. So you the reality make America is, less safe. you have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, the foreign policy experience that you have shows in the previous wars we've gotten into. I have to address that. So- Nikki Haley. I think most people would agree she had a good night, but there were times she just came off as a pro-war, war hawk machine, and that was one of those moments. Uh, real quick here before we hit a break, a lot of people ganged up on Ramaswamy. We played the audio from Chris Christie a little bit earlier. Here is Mike Pence balanced budgets and cut taxes when I was governor. I mean, look, Joe Biden has weakened this country at home and abroad. Now is not the time for on-the-job training. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people... Shot at Ramaswamy. The thing is, you were the vice president under a guy that had no experience, that was a rookie... And not only that, but Mike Pence is a guy that's all about the Constitution. I follow the Constitution. Well, the Constitution says that you're allowed to be president if you're a certain age or above. And guess what? Ramaswamy is that age or above. And a lot of these folks that have the experience suck. (laughs) 
Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! Yeah, so Indy mayoral, uh, mayoral candidate, the Republican, Jefferson Sharif, he's got this new commercial out, right, Hammer? It's about abortion. He explains that it's not a mayor's job to police abortion. The issue of abortion has come up in this campaign. The first thing to know is it's just not part of the mayor's job. The office of mayor has no power over abortion policy. I will not look for issues that divide us. Are you okay with this commercial? Oh, so now Jefferson Shreve tells us that the mayor can't do certain things. Now he tells us <laughs> what a mayor can't do oh. and what his responsibilities aren't in the city of Indianapolis. I see where you're going with this. See, because that's the damnedest thing, Nige, because I'm old enough to remember when Jefferson Shreve held a press conference and said, even though it's not really the mayor's job, he wanted to lobby lawmakers and shake down lawmakers and try to change the state law just for the city of Indianapolis. I believe that a Republican administration in the mayor's office can advance these policies, this agenda, in ways that the Hogshead administration has not even attempted to. So you've specifically talked to legislative leaders about uh, carving out exceptions possibly for Indianapolis on uh, purchase of firearms, permits, carry, assault weapons. James, I've, I've had serious conversations with the leadership of the House and the Senate on these, and these are real-time, serious conversations, one-to-one, direct. And I can't tell you specifically what their caucuses may agree to, but yes. And I'll, I'll work those relationships vigorously. I mean, that's that's part and parcel of the job of mayor. Huh. Okay, well. so if I understand this correctly, um, Jefferson Shreve says when a law is in place in regards to firearms, he wants to go meet with people, have back alley deals, try to shake them down, lobby with them, negotiate with them, and change the law, even though that's not what a mayor is elected to do. But when it comes to abortion, I don't know, man. I, nothing I can do about nothing it. Nothing I can do with it. I'm just the mayor. My hands are tied. But this I, is nothing. <laughs> this wishy-washy okay. turd is going to get rolled by somebody who could go down as the worst mayor in the history of the city of Indianapolis. And Joe Hogsett. saying something right there. That's, uh, and by the way, since we're on the subject of uh, the gun grabs and things like that, Please keep an eye on this. And maybe we'll talk to Rob Kendall about this coming up in just a few minutes when he comes in to go off the rails. Okay. There's a woman by the name of Anne Hathaway who's being pushed out there to be the new uh, chairman, chairwoman of the GOP in Indiana. Yeah, I loved her in The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> I believe that's a yeah. uh, different Anne Hathaway. Quite Selena, man. Sexy. Leather. <laughs> she wore that leather well in that, in that She movie. will be replacing Kyle Hupfer as the head of the GOP yeah. at the establishment folks have their way. Now, the guy that was one of the architects of the Jefferson Shreve gun grab plan that blames you know, law-abiding citizens for the crime in Indy is a guy by the name of Matt Organ. And he came straight to the Shreve campaign from 
Hathaway Strategies. Ah. Now, Oregon was the project manager over there. So, don't be too shocked if it's kind of an anti-two-way GOP if Anne Hathaway gets put in the chair seat. Shreve might not just be the lone ranger here, the lone anti-gun Republican, if Anne Hathaway and her good-time party boys like Matt Oregon have their way. They're not big fans of the 2A either, so just keep an eye on that. Fox News Security blocking Donald Trump Jr. from going into the the spin room after the Milwaukee debates. Here's a little bit of audio for you. Right now, trying to ban people from actually having discourse about politics. Uh, How un probably, probably shouldn't surprise any of us, uh, but that's what it is. I've been told by others that I would be able to go in. So they said we were able to go in, then they said they were in now that we're here. Wait, and the candidate that said you can't go in the spin room. They're telling me right He's now, Fox won't let that. me into the spin but room. That's what the American people Fox should know. News, this sir. is the kind of thing. They're telling they him, are. he works for security here, but they're telling him that I'm not allowed to go in there because the candidates that they've been boosting while simultaneously trying to cut down Trump for the last, what, two years didn't perform as they had hoped. By the way, the spin room is where candidates go after the debates to answer more questions from the press. Right. And they would not let Don Jr. in there to uh, represent his dad. Are you okay with this? Look, I like Don Jr. I like Don Jr. a great deal. I like his old man. Voted for his old man twice. But this is nothing because they chose not to participate. And I've been an events manager before. I've been a promotions and marketing director. I'm willing to bet that there probably had to be an approved list of people who get to go backstage to the spin room. Because arguably, some of the most powerful people in the world are back there. Somebody who could, in theory, be the most powerful man or woman on the planet, the President of the United States. So I'm wondering, did Don Jr. just crash this thing and expect to get in? Or did he make plans ahead of time to have his name on a list? And if you can have representation there, then damn it, the old man should have been there too. Like if Don Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle want to be there, that's fine. But. They should have their old man there, too. Yeah, I mean, a Fox, I, I see Fox's point, like, hey, look, your dad didn't want to participate in this debate. He wanted to compete with us. We're not going to let you have a platform in our facility to make a case for your dad when he wasn't here to right. make his own case. I completely get that. No, you're right. I like Don Jr., too. And if they did tell him they, he was allowed in, and then they stopped him at the last second, that's kind of BS. Right, right. And I think I heard Kimberly Guilfoyle. As his backup there, yes, the, his his uh, his lover Kimberly, the great lovers. Yeah. Uh, okay, last one: a security guard at a Taylor Swift concert stole the spotlight when he went viral for singing along to one of her songs and having his pick taken near Taylor. Then he was fired. Here's the uh, security guard. I worked Taylor Swift on June 23rd and 24th in the Minneapolis legs. Um, On the morning of the 25th, I saw a viral video of me. Um, By the time I saw it, it wasn't actually viral, but it certainly got there in the end. Um, And that was posted by Alyssa, who was a concert goer. 
So I made a follow-up video in which I explained that I handed out little pieces of paper to um, a couple of the audience members directly in front of me that basically said um, that I'm not allowed to have my phone out. And when Taylor Swift gets close to me, I would really appreciate it if they took a photo. Okay, you can stop it right there. You can stop it right there. (laughs) This is nothing... Just focus on doing your job. So he got in trouble. So he wasn't. He wanted a, his picture kind of in the back with Taylor Swift in the background, but he's not allowed to break out his phone. So he's passing out pieces of paper to the audience, asking them to right. take to take his picture. Okay, okay I got and then it. I got people it. also recorded him like singing along to all the songs. He <laughs> wanted to be a Taylor Swift fan and not somebody protecting Taylor Swift. If your job is a security guard. Dude, stop taking pictures yeah. and just focus on the lunatics that are trying to run up there. Like, if that were your daughter, if Taylor Swift were your daughter, would you want this guy protecting her from no, lunatics? Not at all. I mean, she has stalkers left and right. Those guys' job specifically are to look out in the crowd for potential problems or people rushing the stage or whatever. Right. And when you take certain jobs, sometimes there are things you have to do. If you're covering a sporting event, if you're sitting in the press box, you can't cheer, you can't boo, you're supposed to be neutral. And if you're a security guard, you can't be worried about the concert or singing along or taking pictures. You've got to look for lunatics. you're a security guard at the Super Bowl, and it's tied up, uh, you know, seven-seven with three seconds left, field goal on the line. You can't turn around and watch to see if the guy makes the field goal or not. Right. Your eyes are in the crowd at all times. That's what you signed up for. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the play play slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Amber and Nigel go off the rails with rock and noise pollution. Joel, Jason Hammer right over there. Also joining us live in studio, Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. Here to go off the rails. Rob, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, as always, to the segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Any number of places we could start. I want to get to your interview with uh, Attorney General, uh, former Attorney General Curtis Hill. I want to get to uh, Trump and Tucker. Let's start with the debates, though, last night. GOP primary. I, From my end, I thought that uh, everybody was kind of scared of Vivek Ramaswamy. And not scared, but they all were annoyed with him. They all came after him. What did you think of what you saw last night? It was like going to a JV basketball game where, you know, it's the same price whether you go to just the varsity game or you go early and you see the JV game. And, you know, you might see the future of the basketball team there and you're going to see a a few good shots and some fine passing. But let's face it, there's a reason these guys are on the JV basketball team and not the varsity. And without a doubt, and the hits for Trump and Tucker shows it. Trump is the varsity game and those guys were the JV and maybe four years from now they'll amount to something but it it was there and nobody I don't think for the most part was moved one way or another if you're a Trump person you're still a Trump person if you're not well what difference does it make which one of these losers you pick so do you see any vice presidential pick 
on that stage, assuming Trump is going to be the nominee, uh, is there anybody on that stage that you would say they improved themselves last night? And I could see Donald Trump hitching his wagon with that person. You almost think he has to pick a woman, don't you? If you and if you operate from that perspective, although it's Trump, so who knows what he has to do? There's no way he's picking Nikki Haley, of course. So, I mean, there's rumors of Tim Scott. He could go, yeah, that direction I, as well. I guess, but man, he has just got so much work to do with women. Now, the, the Tim Scott was he there? last night was he a part of the event <laughs> technically yeah. yes <laughs> yeah it wasn't a good night for tim scott last night not because he embarrassed himself but you forgot he was there he didn't get in the conversation well hammer we were talking about this in the back room if you're any of those guys what did you even have to lose especially if you're hutchison or uh Burgum? like why wouldn't you just go for zinger after zinger after zinger after zinger because, oh, you would have made yourself look bad. Nobody even knows you exist. You can only go up from where you are. What Some of it? these dudes are polling at 1%, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I just I don't know I don't understand if you're Tim Scott who got lost in the fray. He's a great speaker, great orator, inspiring guy, has an incredible story, and he just got lost in the shuffle. And the only memorable thing he said to me was he was totally dismissive of the eight gajillion dollars he spent during COVID. Ah, it doesn't count because it was during COVID. Bad performance for him last night. What do you make of everybody piling on Vivek? Back to my original point to open the segment. Doesn't Ramaswamy strike you as the sort of guy who once sold things out of the back of his car in high school? Cool. Like just <laughs> bootleg cologne and like starter jackets. And... I tweeted that last night. I said, "What do you think is the sketchiest thing Ramaswamy has ever sold to somebody?" Look, he's he's super charming and and very likable and charismatic, but he hasn't been vetted. And there's all sorts of things that have popped up about contradictory statements. The stuff he said about masking during COVID is highly offensive. And this happens every election cycle. There's some guy who rises. It was a uh, uh, Herman Cain or uh, Gingrich was that for a while in 2012, and then people turned the fire on him and be like, oh, man, I didn't know about that. So, we'll, we'll see. But everybody's just running to be the also-ran. Everybody's just running to be the alternative. There's no way. At this point, how could Trump lose? If you have not broken from Trump at this point, what is going to happen that you're going to say, that's it, I'm done? What'd you make of Ron DeSantis last night? Because he opened up the debate. I mean, he had energy. He had a great opening statement. And he kind of settled in a little bit because everybody else was piling on Ramaswamy. So he was like, hey, lucky to be me. No one's coming after me today. So he kind of just chilled out. Doesn't that show the internal polling for these people has Ramaswamy as the guy? I mean, there's nothing accidental that happens up there. And they all went after Ramaswamy. Yeah, you're, 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 you're right. I mean, I just I think the problem with Ramaswamy is you have no track record of government you know policy but so neither you, did Donald Trump though no but 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 Trump is a, so my point on all this though is Trump was the guy from the beginning right Trump was the alpha in the room from the beginning and no offense to Ron what is, what, hold on stop what do you mean from the beginning because when he first announced he wasn't polling very good at all now wait a second I remember a radio show on these very airwaves a weekend show <laughs> which we later would become the number one show in the city of Indianapolis where Rob Kendall came on the show and said Trump's gonna win and he's gonna win easy and everybody was saying how crazy I was those of us who knew what was going on knew the stuff he was talking about which was you know it was it was jobs in America it was the 
the it was the border. It was build the wall. It's they would have to go back. Right, but he wasn't polling well. That's my point. He like was you polling. may have loved him and said this is going to be the guy, but he wasn't polling at the time above like Jeb Bush and Ted Cruz. Yeah, but after that first debate when he alpha dogged Rand Paul, you guys remember when the first question they get asked is who pledges to support the whoever the nominee is, and everybody raises their hand, and Trump just kind of goes, Yeah, I don't know. And then Rand Paul said something, and he basically then Trump looked at him like Mr. T and uh, Rocky and goes, quiet, woman. That <laughs> was the end of Rand Paul. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> I mean, look, Ramaswamy's fine. He's not the entertainer Trump was. And I just don't think any of these guys matter. I think it's totally Trump. Trump's going to be the nominee. How could he not be? How could Trump not be the nominee at this point? What could possibly happen? Even if they found out Trump was a part of the Gacy house in the mid-70s, what could possibly happen that would stop Trump from being the nominee at this point? If he gets locked up, let's just say that hell freezes over and Georgia or New York, they find him guilty and they send him to prison, Rob. I think he would run a campaign for prison. I, I think too. at this point, I think he would run a campaign for prison. And wow. I think that's I, I know. I know. And I know, Nige, you're shaking your head and I know it's crazy to think of. But could you see Trump at any point going, you know what, for the good of the country, I'm going to just step aside and let Ramaswamy or DeSantis or whoever else have it. There's no way he'd he run would for win, prison. try to win and pardon himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> he would do that. Absolutely. The one guy we haven't talked about yet is Mike Pence. How do you think he did last night? I think he's a good debater, if nothing else. I mean, I know you don't like the guy, but it's also one of those guys like Hammer saying, like, I'm not sure why he's up there. Like, what's gonna, what's his future going to be? What's his pathway to the nomination? Well, people who have dis- who have survived attacks by serial killers have described a moment where their expression changes and where they go from the lovable, wacky, whatever, to the vicious serial killer. Yeah. And I think uh, not to compare Mike to a serial killer, <laughs> he's just killed the federal budget and you know <laughs> the lives of America. But I'm not saying he's actually killed someone uh, in the flesh. But I think that's what you've seen with Mike Pence, where hey, it's really easy to be likable, nice guy when everybody's kissing your ass and telling you, oh, you're the greatest and you're destined to be the president. And you saw it that turn during Tucker. You saw it in real time with that turn during with Tucker when Tucker called him out on Ukraine and then the crowd erupted on him. That stage in yeah, Iowa. Yeah, he didn't like that. And I think you saw it last night, too, where, hey, big boy, now you're on a stage where there's friendly fire and you sucked as a governor and you sucked as a congressman, and the 23-year-long Mike Pence con is blowing up in front of our faces, and he doesn't like it. He tried to be somebody he wasn't last night. Like You could tell Like the consultants pulled Mike Pence aside and said, you know, there's a lot of people that think you're kind of a wussy or something that rhymes with it, so we need you to be really tough. We need you to be Mr. Tough Guy today. And he went out there, and he was picking fights with Ramaswamy, and he's yelling at Brett Baer. It seemed a little out of character. Well, he doesn't like to be challenged, guy. And here was the missed opportunity last night, because Mike Pence and the Pence family always tries to play the victim. Oh, people are just coming at us because of this or that. When they were having that conversation about uh, Mike Pence doing his constitutional duty uh, on January 6th, I have no idea why somebody didn't look at him and go, do you or do you not believe Joe Biden got 81 million legal votes? I have no idea why somebody on that stage didn't look at him and ask that question. Because if the answer is yes, then okay, I got a little respect for you 
you, but you're done here. And if the answer is no, then why did you certify the election? Was your constitutional duty to certify uh, fraudulent votes? He never gets asked that question, and I have no idea why he keeps getting a free pass on that. One of my favorite things you tweeted last night, we talked about this earlier, imagine being somebody <laughs> who has donated to Hutchinson. Oh. Like, explain yourself if you are somebody who has donated, <laughs> sent your hard-earned money to Asia Hutchinson. Look, we've had uh, careers in radio for a long time, so we've done some really shameful things to earn a living. <laughs> but there's one guy, and I'm not going to name him because he's a super nice guy and, and has always been very nice to me, but I think he's working for his campaign as a coordinator of some sort. And on Twitter, his tweet popped up. It's like, Hutchinson really has a commanding presence up there. Hutchinson, you know, owning the stage or showing professionalism or whatever else it was. And it was like, dude, no matter how much they're paying you, that is not enough to send that tweet out because that guy's a disaster. You had the former attorney general and now gubernatorial candidate Curtis Hill call your program. Now, this was on the heels of a tweet that he had sent out, I believe it was the day before, where he said, and I'm paraphrasing, no mask mandates under my watch. Take me through that chat. Yeah, I'm excited Curtis is in the race because finally someone with a pulse that is a breathing, functioning human is a part of the governor's race. And I mean, think about what an open lane that is if you were Braun or Doden. Now, Silent Suzanne, of course, can't do it because she supported the mask mandates and the lockdowns. Chambers is not going to say anything about it because he's totally beholden to Holcomb, so, so he's out. But if you're Braun or Doden, what an open lane that has been sitting there for you for the year that you've been running for governor, and they won't say a single solitary word about it. And uh, Curtis Hill said, well, I will certainly walk right through that door because lots of people are super concerned about mask mandates coming back, about shutdowns, about lockdowns. They know Holcomb won't hesitate to do it again, and they know the Republicans have put nothing in place to stop Holcomb if he tries. And Curtis Hill said, I will gladly take these votes, and I will be a person who will stand up for you not being compelled to wear a, a face mask that doesn't work, that doesn't stop you from getting COVID. Is anybody else, anybody else that's running and put their name in the ring for a governor of Indiana, have they responded in any sort of way? Maybe not even indirectly. You, I heard you talking about uh, Silent Suzanne. I can't believe it. You've got me, call, me, you got me calling her Silent Suzanne. Suzanne Crouch um, came out with something with a tax plan or something. Yeah, it's catchy, isn't it? Silent Suzanne. It just works. Uh, yeah, so and, and this is the impact that Curtis had yesterday, where Silent Suzanne comes out and says, "Well, if I'm elected governor, I will abandon, uh, abolish the uh, the income tax." My favorite thing with Suzanne wow. is she laments all these things wrong with government. I will get rid of spending. I will make government more accountable. I will suspend the, the get rid of the income tax. Lady, you've been lieutenant governor for seven damn years and you didn't do crap. <laughs> yes, sir. There, but, it but is. Rob, hold on. What could she do as lieutenant governor? She's speak. Limited power. Speak. Use her vocal cords. Project out into the ether that you think things are wrong or that they shouldn't be being done or that it's a terrible idea to have a meet and greet with the domestic terrorists. You know, a lot of people always say, why do you call that segment off the rails? (laughs) That. That is why we call it off the rails. Um, What are we... What are you hearing about this uh, potential new head of the Indiana GOP? Because we just spent some time talking about it, and it sounds like birds of a feather may flock together. The brain 
trust that brought you the Shreve gun grab plan for law-abiding Republican citizens now wants to put somebody perhaps at the head of the table in the GOP? Well, actually, so Anne Hathaway is who uh, Holcomb has nominated, uh, a longtime party insider stooge. I actually had the great misfortune of having uh, multiple run-ins with Anne Hathaway when I uh, worked for not one, not two, but three state auditors in about a nine-month span. And uh, if you ask me today, Rob, would you rather have another run-in with Anne Hathaway uh, for any length of time or slam yourself between the eyes with a ball-peen hammer, I would choose the ball-peen hammer, which makes her the perfect choice to run the Indiana Republican Party, because we are the party of big taxes. We are the party of big spending. We are the party of of, of, uh, donors and lobbyists and political insiders and then raising taxes, or we call them fees now, on on other regular people to pay for special interest stuff. And Anne Hathaway will be absolutely perfect, continuing the legacy of Kyle Hupfer. And again, one of the masterminds behind the gun grab plan from Jefferson Shreve has got some very cozy ties to this woman. This is what people hearing our voices need to realize. And I'm not being flippant. I'm not being facetious when I say this. The, the Marion County Republicans and the establishment wing of the Republican Party in this state hate conservatives far more than they hate Democrats. They loathe you and they loathe your existence. And if you told them you have to give in to conservatives or you have to give in to Democrats, they're giving in to Democrats every single time. And the example you just gave is the best proof I can give you. What's coming up on the show tomorrow? Well, Trump's got a mugshot at some point, And so we'll be very excited about that. Plus, did he weigh in over or under the 273 and a half pounds? <laughs> He's doing the way in challenge too. <laughs> He's off the rails. He's Rob Kendall. Special thanks to Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.